Thank you for your continued faithfulness, WHC, and yes, and visitors. Uh, amen. You know, our, God, our covenant with God is going to be able to stand against any storm that ever comes along. Amen. We just remember covenant's two-sided deal. <laughs> we have our part to play. So, well, I would uh, ask you to turn once again to the book of Matthew, chapter number 16. Matthew chapter 16. And uh, for our visitors... Uh, I have been in a series for some time talking about the local church and the importance of the church and the role of the church. And I just think it's important that we rehearse these things from time to time. Uh, because as Hebrews says, we're turning to Matthew uh, chapter uh, 2, around verse 1 or 2. It says that we ought to give the more earnest heed as Christians to the things which we have heard, lest we let them slip. And so any of the truths that we have heard and, and received as true from God into our life, there is a danger of letting those things slip. And so that's why Bible writers like Peter, the great apostle Peter said, I will be faithful to stir up your minds by means of remembrance. And he said, for you, this is safe. Paul said, it is not grievous unto me at all to teach to you the same things over and over again. For you, because for you it's a safety. That's the Cody translation of that, but it's pretty accurate to the Greek, all right? <laughs> uh, amen. And, uh, but especially in this year that we're walking out, this season that we're walking out, uh, we are experiencing not just we locally, but the, the, the church across the globe uh, has been under a specific assault that the world calls a pandemic. Or, or COVID-19, and, and that's a reality, right? And we all see these things. You can look at uh, you know, COVID-19, the virus, uh, from a number of different ways and, and be right about all these different ways. Uh, we remember uh, from some teaching I did a while back that Matthew chapter 24, we might go there again uh, at some point, you stay in Matthew 16, that Jesus said in talking about the signs of the end of the age, right? The things that would be occurring right before His return was that one of the things that would go on is that there would be nation rise up against nation. That's an unfortunate translation. It would be better translated, ethnic group will rise up against ethnic group. And this is, this is a global thing that we see. Sunnis and, you know, and uh, Shiites or, you know, um, you know, Right here in America, the different seem to just be at constant conflict with one another. It's so sad. Are signs of the end of the age. What are some of the other signs? Well, you, you've heard some of them, right? He said there will be earthquakes in different places. There will be famines. That means there's going to be some severe economic difficulty and disruption in the world. And it's going to get worse and worse as we get closer. Then he said there will be pestilences. Now, the Amplified calls those uh, epidemic, contagious, deadly diseases. So COVID-19, from a scriptural point of view, can be rightly seen as an end-time sign. And notice that word is plural. This is not likely the last pestilence that we are to see come upon planet Earth before the Lord comes. Now, for us, we're not supposed to be troubled by it at all. We're not supposed to, as Christians, we're not supposed to be moved by it at all. 
You could, I could, if I let my eyes and my attention and my focus get too wrapped up in a natural point of view. That's why I'm rehearsing this with you today. We need to think right as Christians. We need to think right about these things. Because as a pastor, one of the most heartbreaking things for, is to see scattered sheep. So another way I want you to understand that Christians need to be interpreting the current season, it is a demonic, hellish assault and attack against the local church. Part of the aim, it's not the goal, Satan's goal in this is not just to make people sick. Not just to make people die. Now that's what he does. He steals, he kills, he destroys. God is not behind this. Now because the church who has authority on earth and in the United States has not been walking in our authority and not been walking in faith and not been prayerful and not been interceding like we should have, God was not able to protect the United States from this disease. You know, He could have. But that's on us. But now we're dealing with it. And we're seeing a continued shaking going on in the church world. God is preparing His bride to meet Him. And many, sadly, in the church are not ready to meet Him. And so that's, you just have to, I want you to understand what's happening, what's going on. But part of Satan's goal in COVID-19 is to, and sadly, he's been quite effective, to sideline the church, to shut the church down, and to scatter sheep to the four winds. Now, I had something come across my uh, news feed on a social media site, and I followed it up and I checked it. And it's from the Barna Research Group. Anybody ever heard of Barna? Bar- the Barna Research Group is a Christian-based uh, research group. They, and they primarily do work in the United States. And they study uh, beliefs and, and what's going on in the church and Christianity. And, and I came across two studies that they've done since the pandemic began. All right? and an updated one recently. So the first one that they said is, they said, as of July 15th or so, that's been a few months now, right? Um, the, there was a, in July, there was a massive drop-off in online worship participation. One out of three people, as of July, that had been moved to digital services, to online services in March, by July, one-third of them had, had, had dropped off altogether. Right. They're not watching. They're not watching live. They're not watching later. They're not bringing their tithes. They're not bringing their offerings. They are not a part of the church at all. My personal feeling about that is that it's gotten worse. We can see it in our trends. Now, I mean, we've shifted a long time ago to, back to in-person, so that's affected our numbers somewhat. Online. But see, it's proving out. Church, digital church, is not a thing. Technology is a wonderful tool. It's a wonderful avenue. But that's not God's plan for the body of Christ. That's not God's plan for the church. It's for you to have digital, a digital pastor, a digital brother and sister, a digital deacon, a digital Sunday school teacher. That's not going to work. That's not going to fly. And it's not working. 
We have to wake up, and I know many of you have, but we have to wake up to Satan's ploy and Satan's plan is to destroy churches, to silence churches, to shut the church down, to get the gospel shut down, and to get the body of Christ scattered and unorganized, disillusioned, discouraged, and I've met many of them. Amen. The second study, which was more recent, showed that, and this was still months ago, that 20% of U.S. churches are likely never to reopen. They will not make it by the end of this pandemic. By the end of the government's response and hard shutdowns, the body of Christ stands to lose 20% of its local churches. You cannot tell me that's not a demonic satanic attack against the body of Christ and against the church. Are y'all hearing me? Are we going to let this happen? Well, again, I only have my own little, little bitty, bitty, bitty part to play and you only have your little bitty part to play, but you are one. You are one. You're a child of God. You're a member of the body of Christ. Amen. And there could be in weeks and months to come a stronger push to shut churches down as cases rise. Will you stand with me as I stand with Jesus to keep the church open? I'm going to keep the church open unless they put my little skinny six foot two hide behind bars. I'm going to keep the church open. I understand there's fear. I understand it's scary if we're not grounded in the Word. And this is what is so heartbreaking, is that there's been so little strong preaching in churches. It's been so fluffy and cotton candy that there is no strength in many Christians. There is no faith. They do not know that God will protect them. They do not know that God is able to keep that virus from hurting them, from hurting their families, their, whether they're young or old. Satan wants you in a hole. He wants you in your house. He wants you quiet. He wants you scared. He wants you timid. And he does not want us together. Amen. And that's why I believe God has me on this is we must, we must make a new, firm commitment to stay together, to stand together. I know pastors. I believe their heart is, maybe they have elderly congregations or their church is scared. They don't have revelation of faith. They don't have revelation of light. And they've shut their churches down and they, don't, they haven't taught tithing. They haven't taught giving. They haven't taught honoring God. They put a little box on the back wall. Right? And now their churches are shut down. They may not reopen. They may not survive it. Listen, if, you have a, if I'm not your pastor and you're watching me and you have a pastor, you need to get your tithe to your pastor. Amen. We cannot let this happen. We must go the other way. We must ramp up our efforts.
I've had a long, you know, vision has kind of been dormant and lying there. I've recognized it, talked about it some, but I'm willing to see what God would say about accelerating what's in my heart about planting churches. How about we plant some churches? You know what that'll take? Money, time, effort. Right? We have got to, and I'm not saying you are, but we have got to stop living self-centered and self-focused. And church is about me and about mine and about me. And, and No, we have, got to, we have got to take our place in the army of God. We have got to give of ourselves. This is our moment. This is our chance. Who knows how much time we have left before the Lord comes. This is our moment. People are dying to going to hell. Our neighbors, our states, our cities are dying and they're busting hell wide open. And we have got to do something about that. But if the church is scared and the church is timid and the church isn't even meeting, you've got to know our Jesus is up there scratching His head. Amen. Thank God for the revelation we've had in our camp and thank God for what God has done for us. But we ought to not rest on our laurels and beat our spiritual chest. Well, we've been open a long time. Thank God for that. And God's been good. And Amen. But we have got to press. So Matthew 16, let's go ahead and read the scripture. How about that? <laughs> and in a response to a question that... Jesus had posed to His disciples about who do men say that I am. You remember that Simon Peter, under the unction of the Spirit, he got a revelation from God that Jesus was in fact the long-awaited Messiah. He was the Christ, and He is, thank God. Jesus made this statement in verse 18. He said, And I also say unto you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, or could I say it this way, upon this revelation you just got, I will Build my church. I will build my church. Now hear the next phrase. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's why you want to get in the church. Because darkness is rising in the world. Gross darkness is coming upon the people. It's going to get worse. It's going to get harder in the world. But it's going to get brighter, more glorious. It's going to get more powerful in the church. Why? Because before he comes, there's going to be a stark distinction. You're not going to need a t-shirt and a bumper sticker. Because we're going to have the glory of God on our face. The power of God in our hands. The unction of God on our lips. If you want it. If you just want to be religious and and practice religion, then you just go right on. But I didn't sign up for religion. I signed up to know God as my Father and the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and King and Savior. Amen. And I know you did too. Glory to God. The gates of hell. Listen, be, be assured, be comforted. You're part of the church. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against you. Not poverty, not sickness, not death, not tragedy, not accident. If you'll walk in the light of your covenant, son, 
You'll renew your mind. Use your faith. None of us have to be overcome. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be timid. We don't have to be depressed. We don't have to be defeated. We don't have to be impoverished. We don't have to lose our businesses. We don't have to go bankrupt. If you'll renew your mind, walk in the light of your covenant. Don't go the way of the world. What the media is telling you to do, whatever the media is out there espousing, you ought to turn your back on it and do the exact opposite. Because they're lying. They're lying. The word prevail in the Greek means to be able. To be able. Or to have the capacity. Listen, Satan and all of his cohorts, if all of them ganged up on you, Brother Greg, they do not have the capacity. They are not able to prevail against you if you stand your ground against him. Now, if you lay down and throw up the white flag of surrender, he's going to run you right over. But if you'll actually buck up against him and use the name of Jesus and quote the word of God and stand there and be unmoved by what you see or feel, God will stand with you, he will fight with you, and he will bring his promises to pass in your life. Satan doesn't have the ability. People have kind of looked at me funny sometimes when I've made statements like, I'll never be sick another day in my life. It's working for me. It's working for me. Why? Why can I say that? It's not arrogance. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. What is it? It's knowledge. It's revelation. Sickness comes from hell. Hell doesn't have the capacity to come against me. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Good luck, cancer. Good luck, diabetes. No. Not in my body. Not in my temple. Now, I didn't get to that place of confidence. So get in some books. You're going to have to listen to some sermons. You're going to have to renew your mind. You're going to have to stay up and wear some Bibles out like I did. But you can get there. And God will accelerate you in these things if you'll do your part in these last days. Amen. The word prevail in the Greek means to be strong. It means to gain the ascendancy uh, through strength or superiority. See, hell gained the ascendancy or exercise superiority over you in any area. He is not able. Listen, Satan is loose and he's an adversary, but he is defeated. Jesus defeated the devil. Amen. I'll just quote this. John chapter 1 verse 5 says, And the light shines on. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. The light shines on in the darkness. For the darkness has never overpowered it or put it out. The darkness has never absorbed it or appropriated and is unreceptive to it. Listen, we are the salt of the earth. And the world needs your flavor. Salt does two things. It flavors and it preserves. That's what we are to be in these last days. We give the world flavor. And we preserve truth in the earth. We preserve light in the earth. So he said, we are the salt of the earth. Then he said, you are the light of the world. Now, Jesus is the light of the world, but he said, you're the light in the world. Why? Because we're in him. We belong to him. We're joined to him. 
He belongs to us. He is in us. And so He said, let your light shine. This is Matthew 5, 13. From the God's Word translation, it reads like this. You are salt for the earth. Everyone say, I am. I am. Salt, salt for the earth. Wherever I go, I bring the Christian flavor. And I preserve good and right. So if that, when you go to work, that's what you do. When you go to the office, that's what you do. Kids, when you go to school, that's what you do. I'm going to flavor this classroom with love and peace and joy and power and dominion and blessing and healing and prosperity. Right? 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 Oh, you go to homeschool, so. Anyway. He said, you are salt for the earth. He said, if salt loses its taste, how will it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. See, a Christian that's lost its Christian-y flavor isn't good for anything. Amen. We're here in the earth, let's be good for something. He said, a salt, salt that's lost its flavor is only good to be thrown out and trampled on by people. You are, Jesus said, light for the world. We can make it brighter out there if you will let your light shine. Stop being ashamed. Stop being shy. Stop being timid. Because being a Christian is less popular in the world. That believing in traditional marriage is less popular. Don't you be ashamed of that. Don't you be ashamed that you believe that marriage is one man, one woman in a holy union. Don't you ever be ashamed of that. Don't you be ashamed to still believe that lesbianism and homosexualityism and identifying with something other than your biological gender, don't you ever be ashamed that that's like that's wrong or something. No, it's right. They're the ones deceived. They're precious. We should love them, but they're wrong. Don't ever be ashamed of that. Don't you ever go that way. Jesus said, if you are ashamed of me in front of people, I will be ashamed of you in front of my Father. You've, you've got to, you and I, we have got to be committed to be popular in this day and hour with the one that counts. We need to identify with our faith and with our Savior more than we do with our skin color, our culture, our state, our political affiliation. What ought to matter most to us is our identity in Christ. We should let our light shine. Amen. Jesus said, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, everyone who lights a lamp puts it on a lampstand. So that its light shines throughout the house. Same way, verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine in front of people. That's what Jesus said in the God's Word translation. Let your light shine in front of people. You know... Don't just, let, don't just flick your light on when you come in here because you know you're around Christians. Keep your light shining all the time. Pastor, what if it costs me your job, my job? So be it. Amen. We will help you. Amen. Telling you. 
Christianity's getting serious. And all the, all the play with it, Christians, they're, they're, they're already scattered in the world because of COVID. In the same way, let your light shine in front of people. Now, what's that mean? When they're mean, you be sweet. When they lie and cheat, you be integrous. When they flip out in fear, you respond in faith. When their marriages fall apart, y'all work it out. Amen? When one of us falls, there ought to be a whole bunch of us running to pick that one up. I love the military. I, I've never been in the military, but I, I just appreciate what our soldiers have done. Uh, I, I like the motto, leave no man behind. And if anybody ought to adhere to that, it ought to be a church family. That's right. Amen? We'll leave none of us behind. We're all going to go to heaven together. We're all going to cross the finish line together. We're all going to fight this battle together. <laughs> Amen? Praise God. So let me close with this. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Have I helped you at all? Have I hurt you? Made you mad? Made you glad? I don't know. Thank you. God is equal. He is more than equal to anything you're facing right now. And anything that's coming in the weeks and months and years to come, God is equal to it. He will cause you to stand. Bright and shining light of victory. In the world. Be bold. Be strong. Don't quit. If you feel like in your Christian life, I don't know how to pray. I don't know who I am in Christ. I don't know what having authority means. I don't know what it means to... Why should I even care about speaking in tongues? Listen, if that's, if, listen, if that's where you are, that's called... Life and a journey with Jesus and a journey with God. And what you are, sweetie, is a disciple. But if I can't get you to come to class, if I can't get you to come to gatherings where we are teaching how you pray and what it means to be a Christian, then come on, guys, I I can't just do it for you through osmosis. You have to make the time. You have to put forth the effort to learn and to grow, to study at home. To, you know, don't just come in at 10.29 and leave four minutes before I turn my mic off. Come and be part of the family. Come and avail yourself. Even online, I've got, I don't know, I'm, st- I'm not quite done, but I have basic training, a discipleship study course on video on our website. We have no excuse in this generation. We have more tools, more resources, more buildings than any other generation in Christian right history. There's, there's just no excuse except laziness. It's not wrong to not know something you need to know in your Christian life, but what's wrong is to not be going after it hard and fast. And husbands, you need to lead the way. Men, it's time for you to step up. 
It's time for you to step up and come to prayer meeting. It's time for you to step up and come to pre-service corporate prayer. It's time for you to step up. Hello. And be the priest of your home. And put your foot down on your front porch and let the devil know where you stand in the spirit. Praise God. That's good preaching, Pastor Chris. I'm just going to tell you, son, you're doing a good job. Luke 2, 49. So Jesus was, I think, 12 years old. And so he's a youngster. I say that with, you know, I mean, no disrespect to the Lord. Mom and dad had come with a big caravan to Jerusalem to worship and for a census or whatever reason they were there, Passover. And then they left. And there's so many among them, they just, mom and dad assumed that Jesus was among them. I don't know. Obviously, people are not perfect. But if I was Joseph or Mary and I was entrusted with the Messiah, raising the Messiah, I would know where that boy is at all times. <laughs> but he had slipped off. What, what, notice where Jesus went. He wasn't at the arcade. He wasn't in line to get the newest video game. He wasn't at the mall. Where was he? He was in the temple. Around the experts, the Pharisees. And he was listening to them. And he was asking them questions. And they were impressed at the questions Jesus was asking. When was the last time you impressed your pastor with a question? Amen. You know, Christians that come to church with questions lets me know they're thinking about their Christian life out there. Amen. So Jesus was doing, and so frantically, mom and dad, mother Mary, they came back and they searched and they found Jesus. Luke 2.49 in the Amplified, they said to Him, Why did you do this to us, Jesus? Why did you do this to us? And He said to them, How is it that you had to look for Me? How is it that you had to look for Me? Did you not see and know that it is necessary as a duty for Me to be in My Father's house and to be occupied about my Father's business. So when someone goes to looking for you, the first place you ought to be found. Jesus said, I searched. Why did you even need to search? Did you not know that as a duty... Of a I have to be in my father's house and I have to be occupied with my father's business. In closing, church, this is our assignment. You came in with questions and maybe disillusioned, a little bit discouraged. Here's my word for you. We need to busy ourselves with the work God has assigned us. It's fine to be politically engaged. I am. It's fine to be praying. I have been. I will continue to be. But we cannot rest uh, our faith and our hope in the white person being in the White House. That's a necessary thing. 
It should be prayed for. But beyond prayer, intercession, and voting, what you going to do? What you going to do is what I've decided to do. I'm going to get back to the Father's business. God's aim is not to build a political party. God's aim is to build a church, to build the kingdom of God. Amen. And so I want to just leave you with a thought here. Amen. Make it a priority. Take Jesus' example as a 12-year-old. Make sure you are found in these last days in the Father's house. Jesus said, when I come back to the earth, will I find faith? Will I find faith on the earth? What will I find you doing? What will you be occupied with? Where will you be investing your time, your energies, your emotions, your finances, and your efforts when I call you home? What will I find you doing? It should be about the Father's business. You should be found regularly in the house of God. Well, we're in the New Testament. We're I understand the church is not a building. That's right. Amen. But we're commanded as living stones to come together and be God's house. And a building makes that nicer. I'm just feeling the air conditioning. Thank God. How occupied are you right now? Judge yourself. How occupied are you right now with the Father's business? Well, what is the Father's business? Well, don't go there. I'm trying to close. Matthew 28. Write this down. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Jesus said before He left, Go and make disciples. That's the Father's business. That's the Father's business. So you're to be a disciple... And you're to help make disciples. You need to know some stuff, and then you need to pay what you know forward. Where are you in that journey? You have to, you have to tell. If you're in that phase of, the, of Christian life where you need to learn, then you should be here and availing yourself of all the opportunities that you can to be discipled. But then once you get to where you, you get some things turned around in your life and the blessings, you must pay it forward. The Father's business is making disciples. That's why this church will never be an entertainment center. I'm never going to come and just tickle you and pet you. I'm going to do that as you need it. Agape, agape, agape. Pastor loves you, right? But I... We're going to be a disciple-making ministry. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them, teaching them to observe and obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's my job. That's our deacons' job. That's our teachers' job. That's our children's ministry's job. It's your job to receive it, and then it's your job to take your place in expanding that. Amen. Number two, finishing up about the Father's business. Write this down. Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus said, Go into all the world. Proclaim good news to every human. That's the Father's business. You're going to leave this place. You're going to interact with people I want this week. Share. Tell your testimony. Opportunities to talk about Jesus. To share Jesus, to give your testimony to someone, to point someone to the Lord. Don't just say, I have a great church with me. Why should they? 
Why should they want to come to a, your church if you don't portray anything that, like you know anything? It's like, well, it's not helping you. You can't tell me anything about Jesus. And if you're going there, why would I want to go? Don't just point them to me. I don't have time. You're keeping me plenty busy. But you need to get to where you can, and all of you have a story. And that's all God requires of you. Tell your story. Talk about what Jesus has meant to you so far. And watch what God does. I know Cynthia's in the back. Sister Cynthia. Anybody know Sister Cynthia? Yeah. Well, you know, she, she runs a hair salon, right? But all the time, she's praying for people and getting them healed. Yeah. In the hair salon. She got a hair salon ministry. She make you look good. And she get that disease out of your body. Come on. I love it. That's what God wants for all of us. Amen. We have to spread the word. People don't have very much longer. And then the Antichrist is going to be ruling things on the earth for a while. We'll, we won't be here. Church will be gone. But we have to tell it. Amen? And last of all, you know, there's a lot I could say about the Father's business. But part of the Father's business includes the building up of the body. The building up of the church. I will, I will what's he doing? I will build. I will build my church and the gates of hell won't, right? And for that to happen, we need help. We need help. We have a wonderful helps ministry here, but we need to broaden it. We need to deepen it so that God can, we can demonstrate to God we are ready for 200 more. We are ready for 500 more. I bet you build pens and fences for every animal before you get one. You don't bring a family? Uh, do you bring a cow home and go, now where are we going to put this cow? We built a chicken coop before we bought chickens. We have to build a ministry infrastructure that goes beyond in depth and strength and scope where we are. Yeah, we're getting by right now, but what if 300 more people show up Sunday? Dr. Dufresne said in this last day of revival, churches will have to have church seven days a week. Seven days a week. Just to meet the needs of the people that are pressing in. Well, I'm not going to do all that preaching. I'm not going to do all that singing. And I'm not going to vacuum the sanctuary seven times a week. Right? So part of the Father's business is being in the work of the ministry. Right? And so if you don't have a job around here, Sister Rebecca, come on out here. You look especially nice today. Come on, step all the way out here. This is Sister Rebecca. She is our helps ministry director. 
She is the liaison for our ministry. She knows all of our department heads. Amen? She is the one. Doesn't she, doesn't she look approachable and sweet and nice? She's not a harsh taskmaster. I don't see a whip in her hand or, you know, handcuffs or nothing. But if you're not actively serving, please, please have a conversation with her. Now, maybe not all of you right after church. She might be here till 3 p.m. Right? Or come to me, come to Brett, come, come and let us help you. Know what the needs are. What maybe your gifts and passions are. Because there's a harvest to reach. There's a harvest to reach. God did not give us 16 acres so we could squat on half of one. It's a big work to do. Amen? Thank you, Sister Rebecca. Praise God. Father, we love you today.